Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hello, uh, my name's Mark Machado. I'm an old Priorian, and I've been asked by the school to go speak to a load of other old Priorians about their life um, and their careers. And also in this episode, you know, a bit about lockdown and how lockdowns are affecting them and possibly what other advice they might have for other people as well. Today, I'm really happy and excited to talk to old Priorian Sean O'Connell, who is a psychologist from uh, Perform. Sean, thank you for joining me today. Yeah, lovely to to talk to you, Mark. I've been looking forward to it. Uh, Sean, right, let's let's talk about a little bit about yourself. Tell us what Perform is and what you do. Yeah, of course. So Perform is a performance consulting business which applies psychology to help businesses, schools, and and in sport as well. And for me, it's always been really a reflection of sort of being quite competitive and wanting to do better. And we know there's so much research now um, from a psychological perspective on all the various things we can do actually to improve not only our internal performance, but also for those around us. So it's very much drawing on those principles of psychology to help people to not necessarily work harder, but to work smarter and through that being able to improve performance. How did you get into this? Was this something that you've always wanted to do? I know, I know you've had a previous career to this as well. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's been a funny old road sort of ending up here. I, I started out playing professional rugby, which for me was a, a huge a huge dream come true, really. I think, you know, from a young age, it was definitely something I was aspiring to achieve and to have got to to realise that. Um, and at the age of 18, I went to Ulster and I was there for two years. Following that, I was at London Irish and then finished at Ealing Trailfinders. And, you know, obviously it was a, a huge opportunity, which I was fortunate enough to get. But um, I guess a little less fortunately, I, I suffered a few bad concussions and at that point I had to retire prematurely. And for me, it was always a tricky one because I never knew what those next steps would be after I finished playing rugby. And I was probably confronted with that a little bit sooner than I was prepared for. Um, so it was uh, definitely a challenge transitioning out. But I think nowadays so many people have two, three, four careers and that they are transitioning a lot. So um for me then it was a case of trying to figure out well what were my other interests and I was always quite interested in sort of businesses how they how they worked how they operated and I studied a leadership and management degree so I graduated with a first class honours from Northumbria and for me that gave me a really good understanding of how sort of organizational behavior and how to get the most out of the social capital of a business in order to provide that competitive edge and particularly as we move increasingly towards a knowledge-based economy, being able to utilize the skills of the individuals is a huge source of uh, competitive edge. And through that, I found myself increasingly interested in not only the sort of broader business 
um, the the sort of systems and the processes whereby they would you know manage performance or recruitment or retention or all these various sort of functions but increasingly sort of what made an individual at their best and from there I, I found myself increasingly looking into the psychological literature trying to understand well what is it that makes individuals tick and what's the difference between high performance and low performance and for me, with my, my background in sport, the question was, I, I was always quite fond of watching golf. And how can you have a golfer who on one day goes out and shoots a score of maybe 67, so a really good score, and then the next day, the exact same person from a physiological perspective, not that much has changed, but there's a huge variation in their performance where they might go out and shoot a, a 73. And for those who might not be as familiar with golf, that's the difference between uh, being in a winning position or, you know, sort of struggling to make the cut. So um, for me, the question was always, well, physiologically, not that much has changed. It's very much a case of what's happening with their mindset, their approach, their confidence um, and their ability to execute skills. So from there, I, I studied a master's in psychology and graduated with a distinction. And from there, sort of came back a little bit more towards sport, but also applying those uh, skills within business and education too. Just to kind of get a timeline out. So you, mm. you finished your, your career in rugby, did a, did a degree. Were you, were you studying for all this while, while that was going on as well? Yeah, so I finished the rugby and then I went into the leadership and management, the undergraduate degree. So did that for two years distance learning, which was definitely a challenge. I think particularly being uh, disciplined with my own time and, being able to be sort of accountable to myself and it's almost set me up quite well for the remote working that we're dealing with at the moment and then from that I, I did a few various different jobs and some of those things were trying to get a feel for what was right for me and um, to give you an example I went on the enterprise rent-a-car uh, graduate scheme. Oh and- wow what was that like? Well you know what for me I, I realized quite quickly it wasn't what I was wanting to do and um, I think when I was trying to decide on a career, I was probably looking at you know three things and they were job satisfaction, uh, work-life balance and, and, and finance, you know, how much I was getting paid. And, you know, for me, it didn't hit any of those things. And I think being, uh, you know, being honest with myself and realizing that actually it wasn't for me at an early stage was really useful because it, it allowed me the chance to sort of reset and look again. And, you know, there's obviously so many various different careers available nowadays finding something which works for you as an individual is so important. And there's actually a term called sort of match fit, which is how well adapted are you and your interests and skill sets for the career that you have. And we know that increasingly as people sort of progress and go through various different careers that their match fit improves. And that actually means that in the long term, they can outperform other people who have been in the the same career for a longer period. So certainly being able to find the the best uh, career for what, the individual, their skills and interests is, is so important and not only to do well in the career, but also just to be happy long term with, with your with your life and finding that sense of purpose and meaning from your work. I, w- I want to take you back to a moment that uh, I imagine was pretty a pretty tough moment in your life, the moment when you realised that you'll have to, you know, you won't be able to play professional rugby anymore. Mm. What was your feelings then? What was your, your emotions then? Um, I think in one respect, I was fortunate because it, with the concussions from my last season, I was, I was probably out for about you know five plus months um, when I was sort of trying to figure out what, what was going on, why I wasn't getting better and why I was still having these issues. 
particularly sort of vestibular, inner ear balance, uh, visual distortions, some short-term memory loss. And I, you know, I was sort of eased into it in that respect where I had a little bit of time to think, okay, well, you know, I wasn't, it wasn't like this um, sort of cliff edge where one moment you're training, you're playing, and then you've a, a terrible, you know, uh, knee injury or something and then all of a sudden that's you gone for me it was sort of a, a slower more gradual change and that was definitely something which helped give me the space to to think about sort of what my next few options were but yeah I think it's um from a from an individual perspective you always build this sense of identity and your your career is always a huge part of that it's sort of who you are and for me, being a rugby player and being someone who was so proud of, of everything that I had achieved up to that point to, to have to walk away from that was very tough because you go from introducing yourself, oh, you know, what do you do? Oh, I'm a professional rugby player. And you could see people get excited when you told them to, you know, the former professional rugby player doesn't quite have the same same attraction to it. And I think that was something I definitely noticed, the sort of prestige of who I was relative to who I became uh, diminished and I know speaking to a few other people and particularly athletes transitioning out you know it's it's well documented and I think I was quite fortunate that perhaps I hadn't quite hit the, the higher levels where you know for international players where you're playing in front of any 80,000 people and you know huge financial rewards as well to walk away from that's even harder and we um, we know it's always harder to lose than to gain you know we're, we're naturally loss averse so I think starting something new is is always a tricky process and yeah it, it's certainly something which I found challenging but um, it was a good lesson because I think in any time in life there's going to be opportunities or, or chances where you can do something new to broaden your skill set but people often don't take them because they have that fear or they're concerned that they might not be as good at the new role and it's that sort of sense of a threat to someone's self-confidence and it's called self-efficacy which is the belief that you're good and and valuable at the things you do but we know that in the long term to get good at something you, you have to do something new you have to practice and you have to be resilient in in and patient as well and also understanding that you know change doesn't happen overnight and I think that was probably the toughest thing going from being excellent and really good at something to going back to square one almost like snakes and ladders I felt yeah, like yeah. I hit a, a massive snake and started sort of back on the, the first grid of, of squares um, I, I wonder if there's parallels between that moment in your life and what's, you know, a lot of young people in particular are facing right now with, with the kind of challenges around COVID and, you know, people will be finishing school, people will mm. be finishing university courses, people will be, uh, you know, at a moment of in their life where they they need to, out of, out of necessity, make a great change. But it seems a real challenge at the moment to do do that kind of stuff because I suppose a we're in lockdown and people even you know even though no one's out of the house people feel quite distant from other people and and uh, th- th- there's a lot of anxiety around as well. I mean, as a psychologist, as somebody who's lived the life that you've had, what mm. would your kind of tips be around, around trying to deal with this particular unique moment? Yeah, well, I think there's a few challenges. I think as you said naturally there's everything that's going on with um, COVID and the pandemic where potentially opportunities might not be as available as they were previously but I think for any graduate or anyone leaving education unless you know whether that's you're applying for a university course or a job once you leave it can be hard to know exactly what you want and unless you're like right you know I want to be a lawyer I do a law degree and there's that clear pathway through 
a lot of it is quite murky and unclear. And I think my pro- probably the biggest reflection I've had is that, you know, making choices can be hard and we want to try and make the best choices and the right choices. But unfortunately, I feel with life, there's a, a case of you, you get the test and then you learn the lesson. So it's almost this idea of experience being something which is earned and often you have to earn it the hard way. But I think being patient that actually, you know, every, even if you make a choice, even if it's the bad choice, it will still, you'll, you'll learn something which will then inform future choices. And those future choices will get you more along the path, which is right for you. I think certainly in terms of everything that's happening with maybe less clarity or, you know, as I mentioned, less opportunity, one thing that can really diminish is our own internal hope and belief that actually, you know, we can have the, the life we want. And there's a, a theory of motivation called expectancy theory, which in essence is if we do A, B and C, we get D as an outcome. And I think when our understanding of what we need to do and the behaviors we need to, to realize in order to achieve our goals, when that becomes murky, that's when our motivation drops or, or even in uncertainty in general, it interferes with our ability to understand how our behaviors influence our environment to achieve our goals. So I think the big thing is just understanding that any decision, any behavior in any direction is positive because you will get that feedback and the feedback might not always be instant, but it will, you will get it at some point and that will inform your later decisions, which will allow you to make more informed choices at that stage. What would your advice be to young people uh, about kind of planning for the future and, and, you know, trying to set out their, their goals and what they want to achieve? I mean, I know, Hmm. uh, you know, I know you a bit and I know you're very career driven and you've you've got very, you know, clear ideas of what you want to achieve. How Hmm. do you go about in your own life, you know, setting future goals out then? Yeah, you're right. I, I, um, I'm quite bad to, to have these grand plans and, and feel like I need to be working towards them. But I think it's really useful to have that bigger picture of this is where I want to end up. So, you know, for example, I'd use the analogy of if you want to climb a mountain, you know, you want to get to the top. But and, and usually we'll have these sort of points or markers along the way where we're like, OK, I've hit this stage, you know, I'm on course. And when I get to the next stage, I'll be a little bit closer to my goal. But what I would encourage is flexibility in how we measure our success. And, um, you know, we know that progress isn't always linear. Sometimes it can be two steps forward, one step back, another two steps forward. And, and sometimes, you know, three or four steps back before we go forward again. But I think having that belief that actually, if we continue to work hard and persevere and Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And, and try our best, really. You know, if we want to do better, we tend to do better. So having that confidence to know that actually... I might not necessarily have that straight path to where I want to get to, but having that patience, being flexible and also understanding that goals change. You know, the goals that I had when I was 20 years old, trying to, you know, become an international rugby player, you know, those changed when I was 22 and had to, had to retire. So being able to be flexible and understand actually that, you know, some goals are really important in the grand scheme of things like, you know, maybe, having a family or, you know, having a career which allows you the the work-life balance that you can be a part of your family. You know, for me, that's something I'm very conscious of, but also understanding that actually, you know, that might change. Uh, there, there might be something that happens in my life and I might need to redefine those goals. And I think, you know, humans are goal-orientated creatures. And as long as we can have meaning and valuable goals to work towards, we'll be pretty satisfied. And as long as we're making that progress. So, some of it could just be a case of reevaluating what are some of those goals. And, you know, obviously we don't know what this pandemic will hold for us in the future. So it might just be, okay, for the next six months, here are some things that I want to achieve because I, you know, it's hard to know how the sort of bigger goals will be influenced by this, but these are areas that I have control over and being able to control uh, or having goals, which you're in control of achieving are really important as well. I see a lot of people set goals where they have these grand expectations and actually there's so many variables that they're not in control of. And we know that whenever we're not in control of a a variable and it starts to get away from us, that's what causes stress. And that's when we develop learned helplessness or, or anxiety, but actually focusing on, well, okay, what am I immediately in control of over, over my environment? And, when you focus on those things, it's actually quite empowering because you know that, you know, I might not be able to control what happens beyond this, but, you know, I'm in control of my own thoughts. I'm in control of my own actions and behaviors. And those two things alone, they'll get me pretty far. And if I continue to do good things with those, opportunities will open up. And actually, I might find something which I didn't realize was a goal, but actually I found now is is more appropriate for me. Yeah, uh, I thought that was a really... I want to say great answer. I'm going to say inspiring answer, right? <laughs> um, what I've found talking to, to some young people is quite often when you're in your kind of late teens, early 20s, you end up having grand visions and grand goals of, of mm. various careers that you want, but actually they're not your visions, they're not your goals. They, mm. They're your parents or you know other people around you. Have you got any advice on how to kind of actually, I suppose, drill down to figure out what you want? How do you make, you know, how mm. how do you how do you figure out as a person what's going to make you happy long term? Yeah, it's so true the point you make, and even if it's not family or, or friends, you know, sometimes it's just society in general. You know, yeah. there's this expectation that you have to get good grades, you have to go to university, you have to get a good job, and you know, actually, there's you know, there's so many people who you know don't earn a lot of money but they're they're painting or they're writing music and you know the the fulfillment they get from that role or that job is so rewarding that actually they don't need the other things and in order to be able to realize that you do need to very much be able to block out the external factors and you know we would call those um you know external sources of motivation or external rewards and 
you know, with, with anything, you know yourself better than anyone else. And I think as long as people, the, the one suggestion I, I would give is to be as honest as possible with yourself. And, you know, if things aren't going well, that's okay. You know, you can be honest with yourself and try and figure out, okay, well, you know, why aren't I happy or why aren't I uh, where I want to be? And once you're honest with yourself, then you give yourself a good platform as to how to go forward. But if you sort of keep burying the hand and the head in the sand and go, you know what, I'll keep working and in 20 years, I'll, I'll have the, the job that I want and then I'll have the house that I want. And I think that's often how people end up sort of sliding towards a midlife crisis where all of a sudden they're in a, you know, they, they have a job they don't really enjoy, but they took out a massive mortgage on a house and then they need to stay in the job to pay for the mortgage. And then, you know, the family's on the way. And I think just being honest with yourself in the early stages of your career are, are really important and I know there's a lot of tools as well there's um some there's uh, some cards with like values and you know for example having a good understanding of your values and which ones are important for you so you know for me having autonomy over my my role and my career is really important being being responsible and being accountable is really pardon me really important so you know, just being aware of the two or three things that, okay, this is me and this is what I need. And when you get that, that close alignment between your personality and the requirements of your job or your career, that's when you'll do really well. And, you know, it's like anything, if you love what you do, it, it won't be work. And, you know, you'll probably do a lot better because you'll be way more engaged. You'll want to learn more. And, you know, those are the important things that actually it's not where you start, but it's where you end up. And in order to, to end up in a good place, you want to have that, that trajectory of, you know, this is, these are the things which are engaging me and wanting me to sort of drive on and persevere longer. And, and again, you know, it, it takes time to figure out how your values apply in the workplace, but certainly having a good understanding of who you are and what your values are is a, a useful place to start. I've been going back into into the office this week and started to use public transport. And, you know, I've even been to a few pubs as well, believe it or not. <laughs> so I know you won't expect from me. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm talking to a lot of people and the the, the, the two things people are, 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 are talking to me about are anxiety about where, you know, the fu- what the future holds mm. for them and also a, a sense of kind of being out of control of being, you know, not having much control and not having, I suppose it's hope, what they're describing about, uh, what they're talking about. Have you got any kind of, I suppose, micro tips or or tips on how to deal with anxiety and how to, uh, you know, the the short-term hopelessness of the situation, how to cope Mm. with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anxiety we know is the case when, if we look at the neuroscience, it's called your limbic system. So you've regions of the brain, for example, like the amygdala, uh, and that's your emotional processing. So we know that when the amygdala is sort of overactive, that's when we're starting to feel anxious. Or, you know, I, I often say that sometimes if, if one of the tips is to sleep more, but I know if I haven't slept well, sometimes I just get random, like something's wrong, something's wrong. And I'm like, no, no, it, it, it's fine. It is just this irrational fear or this anxiety. So yeah, making sure that our, our, our brains are in a good place and you're know, giving those basic uh you know, sort of biological functions that we need. Sleep is so important for being able to rewire our brains and to ensure that our, our sort of more emotional processing units are a little bit dampened down and downregulated. Uh, nutrition is also so important. We know that um, inflammation in particular can cross the blood-brain barrier. And at that point, it can interfere with our neurotransmitters, which are really important for regulating our mood. Uh, and we also know that 
typically when when we're in lockdown when we fall into a bit of a slump some of these areas i know for me personally nutrition hasn't been the the best area and exercise as well has been a tricky one because for many people exercise is a social thing you know whether you're going to a yoga class or you're running with friends or you know you're you're part of a sports club it's it's about getting out and not only getting the exercise but socializing and we know that exercise is so important not only for you know, it actually shrinks the size of the amygdala so it reduces its uh, reactivity if you like but also just your overall health, not only mentally, but physically as, as well. So your cardiovascular health, and it's been shown to have massive impacts uh, on aging, but also your brain health. Um, so there's something called neuroplasticity, which is your ability for new neurons to develop. And that's a really important part of learning. So yeah, there's certainly sleep, nutrition, and exercise would be three really cool areas to start and what's nice about it is those are things that you've direct control over so certainly just addressing those things off the bat would would help improve your well-being and, and reduce anxiety or stress yeah you mentioned nutrition there obviously you know for someone like me eating is very important uh mm. what what kind of food should i be trying to eat to, to eat myself happy you yeah so the, the main thing is just looking at what food does to our uh, bi- uh, biochemistry so looking at inflammation markers and typically you want to be eating foods which are anti-inflammatory so some of those off the top of my head would be like almonds uh, blueberries and then you're looking at your greens so like your spinach broccoli and what's really interesting as well is those actually they those vegetables in particular have a lot of micronutrients and micronutrients they're so important for our sort of day-to-day bodily functioning and even things like energy levels making sure we're not lethargic and you know the, the sort of um the food coma when you've eaten you know a big domino's pizza or something like that is a, a typical one so i think being mindful of you know what you eat and then how you feel and sort of being quite conscious of oh i ate this food and it made me feel this way and you know it's fine if you know people can you know have a nice takeaway on a friday or a weekend or you know something to celebrate but i think it's just making sure that we're informed that okay i know if i eat this i'll feel good if i eat this i'll feel bad and the the more we can strengthen those associations between what we eat and how we feel the best chance we have of actually improving not only our, our, our mental health but our physical health again so yeah you know having a food diary can be really useful i think sometimes being able to sort of see how we've done for the week can be uh, a nice reminder of whether we've earned that that nice treat at the end or, or whether we need to do a little bit more. But certainly just being able to try and try and make it a little bit more objective because I know certainly I have a, a bad memory when it comes to remembering all the good things I ate but forgetting the, the treats that maybe I enjoyed. Brilliant. Uh, Sean O'Connell, thank you very much for joining me today and good luck with everything else in the future. My pleasure. Thank you, Mark. Just before we go, Sean, if if people want to get in touch with you and, you know, ask you some questions or, Mm. you know, get them um, to do some work with you, what's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, so my website is www.performltd.com and there's a contact contact us page on that as well. Um, I'm on social media, albeit not very active. So uh, my Twitter handle is SeanO'Connell8 and LinkedIn is probably a good one as well. So... I'm sure if they can find you, Mark, they can find me quite easily. But uh, yeah. no, I'd be happy to, to help anyone who wants to reach out. Brilliant. And I think both me and you are connected on social, on LinkedIn and Twitter and mm. all that as well. So, you know, again... Find Mark and you'll get to yeah, me. Yeah, find me and you get to you. And, you. and you're also connected to the OP's development page yes. and all that as well. So there's loads of ways yeah, to get in touch it, with you. Exactly. And it's fantastic to be able to stay connected and to 
to help share resources with each other. Um, I think that's one final suggestion that I'd give to young people sort of starting in their careers is that actually being able to help each other and get help from others is so important for, for sort of bringing everyone up. You know, there's that expression that the tide raises all boats and I think it's very true. So Tara does a fantastic job and I'd, I'd encourage everyone to actively engage with that platform. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, Sean. Cheers. Thanks, Mark. Take care. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.